Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to keep us positive, to avoid lazy negativity, we decided to make this a little bit of a drinking game. <laughs> Talking about you, Mark Monstrowski. So anytime, anytime we say anything negative at all, you're going to hear this sound. And that sound means that we are actually going to take a real live drink. And we hope you drink along with us. So, pour yourselves a glass. We're going to get our true crime fuck on. Our Ooh, true yeah. crime fuck. Cheers. Pre-show shot, guys. Let's do it. Mmm. Mm. All right, people. So... For those of you uh, new to the show, welcome. We try to keep it positive and we talk about movies. Anytime we say anything negative, we drink. As we just said, we are also using a random year generator to go back in time and take another look at some movies, maybe to heighten them up, prop them up, but also just remind ourselves and you the context of when they came out. This is 2007 that was Mm. pulled, which is widely regarded, not just by me, but all the stuffy critics that we love as one of the greatest film years of all time because of a couple notable movies. And this one, Zodiac, I think many of you listening probably know what it is. You know, it's a David Fincher film. You probably know the cast, but it wasn't in that conversation, Academy Award conversation, et cetera, you know, at the end of the year stuff. So, but it has endured the test of time. So we're happy to give it another look and talk about it here on the podcast today. Uh, At the end of the episode, we're going to give you recommendations, tell you what we've been watching. It's December here in 2023. And um, no mini reviews of new movies that came out this week. So we've got a gripe or two, and then we'll be on our way. But first, John, you're going to shout our sponsors out. Carlos is back, guys. We saw a picture of beer that's coming to us in January. Yes. (laughs) Carlos Barroza, the the one and only beer master who has been our sponsor since the beginning. You can follow that gentleman on Instagram at cbarroza.beer. Check the show notes for the link. Uh, we also have a, a musical artist in residence. You've heard him on the show. You've heard his music at the beginning and end of every single episode. The music is available to stream on every single music platform. Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. Go over there, stream, enjoy. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's great. You guys are getting some burr from Mr. Barroza. Mm. That's yeah, great. Yeah, Jen, you'll probably not get any. Um, I'm probably not going to get any. That's yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing a moonshine spirit. run to North Carolina right now. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be great. This ends now. No one run. Throws back the handle. Duke's a hazard. <laughs> jumping shit off the... Yeah. <laughs> you oh, clowns. I'm very, very, very jealous of you guys going to be in North Carolina soon. But Dave and I are here in New York City. John's in California in the city of Los Angeles. So excited. Um, any news? Anything you want to shout out, John, before Dave and I give you some gripes? Any updates? No. Nah, you're filming nah, a movie man. though, which I think is cool. It's cool to remind the people that you actually do this. Dave, you actually do this. I enjoy hanging out with you guys. Um, <laughs> Dave's, Dave's been shooting up a storm. John's directing this week. So awesome, exciting. You're looking forward to what you're doing. Lots of things, yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, got a big final, uh, big kind of thesis project going on at USC, working with a bunch of really great people. This will be the kind of like big, so, big sorry, project that you're I'm making at school. I don't know if you guys know. Did I tell you all I got in the US? Jesus Christ. I swear I'm not that guy. But and, he has the, and John has the undergrad shirt on too, the Elon Musk sweatshirt, as uh, Mark likes to call yeah. it. Yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody asks. It's so annoying. Yeah, Give me don't worry. my undergrad. He'll be Elon gone soon. Musk. God damn it. He'll be um, gone soon. All right, Dave, Honestly. you said. Dave, you said you have two gripes. I have a gripe as well. So we're going to gripe just to get us drinking, people. Get us talking before we talk about the film year 2007. And then take a so hard just, look just at Just for anyone who hasn't tuned in, the, the gripe section at the start of the show is so we can get something off our chest 
drink free because you know if you drink that much you'd die so we have a chance to buzzer free <laughs> for 60 seconds get it off your chest and you're good all right you that's your first, own setup you for... first well you had two so let's see okay. where you go with at least one then all right see. Go i'm ahead. starting this timer go ahead <laughs> so sony on uh sony playstations has a licensing agreement with warner brothers discovery uh where you can buy the movies and have them on your playstation account now i know people have been warning about this for years but nobody's ever actually done it to this effect everyone yeah. who owns a playstation and has discovery stuff recently got a letter or an email telling them that all the stuff they bought will be taken away because the licensing no longer applies so the thing they bought to own is now being taken off their library so warner brothers is the first person to actually pull this theft and Wait, take yeah. take the movie back which doesn't surprise yeah. me at all given what they've done to fucking Batgirls attacks right off and stuff like that but it's like how far is this going to fucking go like what is Zazav doing over there Wait, you bought something that you're not going to no, be able to have other, access? I, I, well, this, this hasn't happened to me, but other people have bought stuff and they've now got an email saying, as of this, as of 31st of December, you don't own that anymore. It's no longer going to be in your library. Can you this download is it? That, dude, this is something, no, no, no. This is something that I think nobody ever talks about enough, but iTunes and Amazon, they're technically owning the product and you are technically licenses. You are owning a license um, to yeah. stream from them, but they technically own the product. And it's always been something that everybody who's a hardcore mm. uh, physical person, like a, Blu a Blu-ray DVD collector, that's what they're always arguing about, is that technically you don't own a streaming movie if you yeah. buy it. Essentially, what you're buying is video on demand. It's not, right. you don't own a physical copy of it. And it's hidden down there in the contract. But it's just Warner Brothers is the first one to actually take the shit back. Whew, God almighty. Jesus Christ. It's, wow. it started uproar dude that is yeah. money just at the at exactly yeah. the yeah at exactly the time that fucking best buy has taken all their physical media off the shelf yeah physical what media a, is what a crazy? missed opportunity guys what if all this shit we are we are of a certain age i realize we're saying this but what if all this shit we come into this like new brave world that actually pushes us back in the movie theaters and back into physical media and we start buying DVDs again, renting DVDs again. Netflix goes yeah. back to fucking giving out DVDs again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I don't think Netflix ever shut that arm down, to be honest. I thought they did. I thought they did. Oh, maybe maybe they did recently. That, it was still going yeah, for yeah, a long time. They had the warehouses. I think they just got rid of the warehouses. It's, it's that great. library was incredible, too. They had yeah. everything. But yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. God yeah. That would be so cool if we would go back to having more physical media. I've always been one of those people who's like, not a huge collector person, but I kind of always wish I had a reason yeah. to be yeah same. <laughs> it's be I, nice I, to start I stopped it buying going. it when I started moving countries and it, it like you've got yeah, region, exactly. fucking yeah. regions to deal with and it's of like oh this is a region I one I'm in a region four and it's like I can't play that in this country so I've got to buy it again it just I just it was like right. fuck it I can just well oh man take you make a really wherever. good point with the globalization there are certain kinds of prints of DVDs that can play across all was it six regions four regions across the world six I think um I think it'd be it'd be great if they just like cut that through you know everybody is so globalized now we want to be able to take them everywhere dave one time i moved with all of my books i was like fuck that shit never doing that again that is not myself. the first time i've heard someone say that <laughs> yeah for oh stuff that you'll probably God. most of which you will never reread again but they look good on the bookshelf they look great <laughs> look how smart i am yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly all, all right, right jeff, great man. jeff yeah, what's yours fuck that shit okay are you ready mm -hmm. all right go ahead no Grape timer. <laughs> there Start it is. the grape timer. Okay. I'm like, I missed so, the button. 
So it was Angela's birthday this week, which is not my gripe, of course. But Angela's birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Angela. It was so, so fun. Happy birthday. Great. Guys, I'm sick of the joke where people say, well, what time were you born? Because, ah, it's not your birthday yet. I'm so sorry. It's your birthday. What are we celebrating? It's the birth, what? What is it? It's the birth, uh, uh, is it the birth uh, yeah. time? Birth yeah. minute. Is it the yeah. birthday? Yeah. No, it's the fucking birthday, which is a way of saying birth date without sounding like an asshole. It's the fucking day I was born, all right? And the universe is fucking expanding, so I'm not in the same spot I was born in anyway. Not that we could ever measure that or no. Maybe I'm the closest I'll ever be. Doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. Yeah, I was born at 8.30. Oh, I was born at 4.30. It's not your birthday. Shut the fuck up. It's my birthday. It's the day I was born. We need to get rid of that joke. It's just a way of dodging you feeling good for me, giving me a little bit of love. It's your way of saying, let me take this moment because me, 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 we're selfish in this country and I think this proves it. It proves it. Also, it's just ads that are trying to be funny and I understand that too, but it's the birthday. I'll tag on just to touch that one. I think the only person who could argue that is maybe Dave, since he literally was born around the world and it was a different day. So unless your friend is from New Zealand or Australia, shut the fuck up. But I've also always thought you, it was You know, they're all the countries down there, right? Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> Fiji or whatever, you know, fuck it. Uh, Fiji, our listeners, don't turn away. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Fiji's that. awesome, man. Um, I was at the airport once. They, they're really nasty at the Fijian airport because you pull in and they make you get off the plane and then you have to walk outside to get back into the terminal so you can see the fucking beach. Like you can see it, oh, but you can't wow. go to well, it because you haven't gone through yeah. customs. <laughs> so close. I've always thought it was fucking bullshit and I've never understood it. Why are we celebrating your day? It's your mom's fucking day. Dude, she fucking did all the work. She has a day and a birthday. Always. She's got two days. Yeah. Yes, sure, sure. But like, I've always, on my birthday, I've always called her and just been like, thanks, mom. Like, this is so silly. What did I do? Good, good point. She got, she got ripped out of your stuff. You we should I mean? really we should really start celebrating the day before and be like, mom, right around now, things really started to suck for you. And I'm really glad you stuck it out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, God, that's okay. That's also, fun. you know, if you want to go down that three, we're celebrating a birthday. So life starts when? Oh! Yeah. 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 I want to gush oh, you so yeah. bad. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm getting political at the jump out of a joke. I like it. Can you people, that was that was Can subtle. you people fucking vote? I hate when people are like mask mandates, whatever. Vote Republican and then they're like, "Wait, why is abortion being taken away?" Good. Sorry, this is not a political podcast. Yeah, 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 so, did sorry, you have another Yeah, buzz sorry, me. No, you can buzz me. Buzz me. Fucking I okay, can take it. Take it. I don't know. David, did you have another grape? Last time. Oh, yeah. All right. So this week start the timer. Our movie was on Paramount Plus, sure, Showtime. Paramount yep. Plus with Showtime, which is what it now is. Now, I yeah. have Paramount Plus with Showtime Premium. Yeah. yeah. Great. No ads, HDR. Humble brag, yeah. Like 4K. No, it's not. It's no ads, 4K, standard HD, unless you own a supported device. And the supported devices are that there's only fucking six of them. If you own an Apple TV, a Roku, or my fucking like two and a half thousand dollar Samsung TV will not play 4K HDR on Paramount Plus because they don't support it as a supported device. What the fuck am I paying for? I don't Wait, know. To be honest, know, though, I would uh, I would push back on you and ask, what the fuck are you doing paying for a 4K television? I don't think hum <laughs> the human eye can tell the difference between 1080, 2K, and 4K unless you you're really in really care. No, you really can. It's a big TV. Hey, look great on my TV. You can't tell 8K, but you can tell 4K. So you um, and I both watched it in HD then, because I have a 1080 plasma. I never went up to the L LED 2K or 4K. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
it literally says there it's available on supported devices but, like 4k right. ultra hd yeah like the best you can possibly so they're, get they're basically on current technology they're and money yeah they're charging they me a premium deal with those yeah. groups they're charging me a premium price but not giving me the premium service yeah and there's no yeah. tier in the middle where you can go hey well you don't qualify for that service because you don't have a yeah. device and i have a 4k remember tv at one point remember at one point in the beginning of the digital era early 2000s when we were beginning or, 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 you were starting to see rift wars of how of universal usage between large companies like Microsoft and Macintosh and how the promise, the dream was that none of that was ever going to actually be interrupted. Eventually it was just going to be seamless. They were going to do whatever they needed to do so we could use hmm. all our devices. I mean, this is just another example where like they're fine. They have found ways to make money off of us to support them working yeah. with each other. Uh, to be honest yeah. though, like if, if I'm paying whatever it is, it's like $17 or $15, whatever it is now a month, for Paramount and Showtime. And I I expect them to have more than fucking eight devices that the full functionality of the channel works on. It's really strange. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm, by the way... Get your shit I'm, together, Paramount Plus. And I'm still mad that you can um, reserve these through either Amazon or Apple. And so uh, if you accidentally don't cancel it and it comes in on your bill as iTunes and you just assume <laughs> that you just spend a lot of money and then like three months go by and you're like, oh shit, I've been paying for fucking Paramount Plus, but it looks like me. iTunes on my bill. Oh, those bastards. <laughs> those fucking slick bastards. All of them. Yeah. 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 Okay. Hey, at least you can watch it in 4K Ultra HD because you have an Apple TV. I can, and I can, and I can through my TV, but all of John's apps that I put in on my Apple TV, which doesn't support 4K, I, I don't want to get too risky and, and log in. Anyway, yeah, but that's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Just to shut you up. <laughs> Thank you. Where was that last week? I had like a six minute fucking talk that you guys didn't rein me in on. Yeah, it was funny. We liked it. Everybody liked Actually, it. Actually, I think I was peeing. Actually, Dave was peeing during that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Are you guys ready I'm to old. talk about one of the greatest <laughs> film years of all time, 2007? Are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so this one might be a little tricky for us because the movie that we talked about when we did the summer blockbuster face-off where we took the highest grossing summer movie of every year and pit them up against each other to determine once and for all what was the greatest summer blockbuster of all time, which was definitely not from 2007. We talked about <laughs> a different movie that was not number one. It actually was number three on the worldwide box office this year. There was a couple of different reasons for that, but we mostly went domestic numbers. That was reason number one. Because internationally, what was the highest grossing movie that came out in 2007? Any guesses? Because I know you guys don't do your um, research ahead of time. Okay. No, no, no. I mean, if it's not what we talked about, which was Spider-Man 3, it's gotta be Deathly Hollows or it's gotta be Transformers. Good I'm guesses, guessing. good guesses. Wrong. Oh, wrong. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no, good guess. What though. other giant um, movies came out that year? So believe it or not, Deathly Hollows. Order of the Phoenix. Or, sorry, sorry, Order sorry the Phoenix, that's right. Or, Order of the Phoenix was number two worldwide for sure. Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. That's the third Pirates ah. of the Caribbean movie worldwide. Was number one. Really? Cool. Nine hundred sixty awesome. million nice. dollars worldwide. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which is number five never made in the enough. series. Went $939 million worldwide. Spider-Man 3 was $894. Shrek the Third. These fucking Shrek movies made so much money. Shrek 1 and 2 were technically both the highest grossing movies of those years. Um, or at least certainly of the summer. Um, Shrek the Third made $807 million. How about that? Transformers comes in at number 5 at just over $700 million. The next two Transformer movies made a billion dollars. Ratatouille. Comes in yeah. at number six here at 626. I Am Legend with Will Smith and that's it. Yes. Which apparently uh, we're getting a sequel at... to. Sure. No, <laughs> for real. They're, they're making yeah. a sequel. 
that I came don't in know how. Seven oh, and five eighty-five. Wow. The Simpsons movie made a half a billion dollars. That's pretty cool. At number eight. Oh, that's cool. National Treasure Book of Secrets. 457 nice. that bought Nicolas Cage like an island yeah. and then 300 which I remember seeing in theaters that really seemed like it came out of nowhere and this that was 454 million worldwide this is again one of those time periods that we're gonna miss because it's like a little movie that you know not a little movie Zack Snyder is a good good movie but 454 million dollars I mean yeah. I was surprised when I saw it I was like I was surprised at how good it was and now all of a sudden it's, it's like it became a half a billion dollar movie I just I don't think that would happen a little movie that could so you know Obviously, big names attached to it. I don't think we're going to make a half a billion dollars from now on. Um, yeah. A lot of other good movies this year. I kind of we'll, we'll kind of finish up with like the Oscar stuff. But again, what's really good about going back to Zodiac is I would say Zodiac sets the stage for Mind Hunter, which is David Fincher's series, mm-hmm. of course. But all of the slow, I mean, True Detective. Like I feel like a lot of the, I mean, there's always been kind of more like slower, character-driven, long-form. Um, murder investigation, police dramas, forever, right? Like, forever. It's like one of the most popular genres in the history of cinema. But this movie did not do well commercially. It was $85 million on a $65 million budget, and it was nominated for Jack Squat in 2007. Zero Oscar nominations, and even the support, like, it didn't win shit. But if you take a look at the Oscars year, There Will Be Blood seems to be on the list, if not, like, a consensus the best movie of this millennium so far in the post 2000 age other like sites have done this kind of shit where they ask all of their film critics to rate and review and there will be blood tends to come up number one one two oscars which is great mm-hmm. um but the big movies this year were no country for old men i think the coen brothers each won four directing writing Ooh. picture and then i forget if they were like involved in editing or they, they each won at least three um you had atonement which was um mm. a good score um, Michael Clayton is a fantastic script. You have, oh, as so we good. mentioned, Ratatouille is fantastic. Um, didn't even win Michael Giacchino best score. I mean, the score this year, like fucking Johnny Greenwood wasn't even nominated for There Will Be Blood. Atonement ends up winning, but you have The Kite Runner's a great score and Michael Clayton's a great score. 310 to Yuma was this year. That was nominated for some, some shit. Um, Juno is a little movie that could this year. I Love La Vie Rose, yeah. as we talked about last week. Um, I'm Not There, that very strange Bob Dylan movie was, you know, with huge names. American Gangster was a big movie. Charlie Wilson's War got Philip Seymour Hoffman in a nomination. The Assassination Mm -hmm. of Jesse James and the Coward Robert Ford with Pitt and Casey Affleck. I mean, Sweeney Todd this year. This was a huge fucking year. This is a huge year. And and Zodiac. Let's let's just put that Roger Deakins filmed Jesse James and No Country, I guess, within that last, that previous year. Mm -hmm. That's what, that might be the most impressive year of his career both those yeah he talks about jesse james a lot too there will be blood would end up winning best cinematography but even the fucking documentaries are good taxi to the dark side got alex gibney one of the best documentary filmmakers of our lifetime is oscar um we're talking about um the killing of an afghan taxi driver in 2002 talking about racism post 9-11 no end in sight comes out this year which was about like getting us into the iraq war and shit was fantastic operation homecoming sicko with michael moore um, free held comes out about pensions and then you have the housing bubble that happens this year which is fucking wild I mean it's like wow. this is this is like a huge year once yeah, falling we're, slowly comes we're out this one year one year off financial crisis at this point I mean the housing bubble burst in this year the financial crisis would mm. you know most people would say would start the next year but it, this was the, definitely the beginning of it Nancy Pelosi first female house speaker this is other things going on in the world the release of the first iPhone in 2007 the release of the last Harry Potter book Deathly Hallows comes out in 2007 North Korea tested its nuclear bomb see that isn't you know the Virginia Tech shooting Ooh. there was like and then there were a million bombings all over the world I mean this was a fucking crazy year this is a huge year 
Uh, protests all over the world erupted this year too. It was really wild, really wild year. Anything that you guys want to highlight? Any other movies? Uh, absolutely. I mean, just to Golden you've Compass, already mi- listed so many, but um, I think The Bourne Ultimatum did really well, and people who are into that franchise were really impressed with a lot of the fight choreography. And so that, I think that that is still referenced all the time. That that big yeah. chase scene, uh-huh. jump across the alley. Um, well, also the, the the car crash, and that was the first time they built a camera rig that led into a, a car wreck stunt. God damn! There's a few things I feel the, like there's a few the special features on Ultimatum did. are amazing. Yeah, yeah, wow. they did a few things for like the first time or in a different yeah. way. This was uh, Gone Baby Gone's year, so Ben Affleck is introducing himself as a director to the world and really shaking things up. We'll go on to win an Academy Award within three years. What was that? Eleven? When, when did he win for it? Anyway, for Argo. Yeah, um, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, one of my favorite small movies that I, I'm not a huge Neil Gaiman reader. I haven't really read anything by him, but Stardust came out this mm. year, and that movie mm. shook. I was like, what the hell is that? I yeah, just had a chance talk, on it, I and I loved it so much. Some of yeah. this stuff Robert gets so weird. Was, <laughs> oh, man, it was so lovely. Uh, Grindhouse, just wanted to call that out. Tarantino, nobody really talked about it. didn't do well at the box office, but I actually think that movie Actually, everybody for, talked for about it in Australia, is. but nobody went and saw it. Nobody uh, went and saw yeah, it. We yeah. talked about Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But that's another fantastic part of the uh, Cornetto trilogy. Shooter, that was kind of a sleeper hit for me. I feel like a lot of my friends really, really liked that movie with Mark Wahlberg. And yeah. you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Is that no? Uh, no, with Wahlberg. And yeah. then, uh, and then um, American Gangster, Ridley Scott. Again, like I think maybe people thought it was going to do way more than it did, but I think that I still. Yeah. I still like that movie. Also, the kids love Enchanted. Enchanted was the Disney movie this Enchanted? year. Enchanted, come on, really fun. Mm. Super bad, super bad came out this year. It's kind of crazy. Like so it's just some. Oh, yeah, you're, you're oh, right, Jeff. This was kind of like the end of an era and the beginning of this next phase. Part of it, like internationally, because of the amazing financial crisis that was happening. We were approaching the end of George Bush's time. That was a, such a specific war on terror kind of mindset. I think a lot of these movies reflect that, or at least like somehow kind of commenting right. on that this is like pre i don't know there's so many things but yeah this was a crazy year oh, and into the and, wild uh, that we didn't mention too into the wild was this year into the wild about. sean penn i'm yeah. about to graduate from college oh, like yeah man this is a big big, <laughs> big year john yeah <laughs> dave you ready for us to start our next segment or anything else you oh want to god add about yes this? <laughs> yeah <laughs> <bastard>. he's ready <laughs> all right so that segues into zodiac which is about the very famous um uh, spree killings or you know i guess you could just say serial killer yeah the zodiac killer from 1969 until 1983 although the bulk of those happen late 60s early 70s in the first couple of years which um doesn't spoil much to say was never solved technically speaking it was never solved technically was speaking case. yes the case was closed at the time the, f- the movie was being made um and it was reopened after the film came out but probably just from you know pressure and attention i bet you they get a lot of calls from people um i actually this is gonna sound crazy this is gonna sound fucking crazy i have seen this movie a lot i never i did not see this in 2007 i've probably seen it like four or five times since which is a lot for an almost almost three hour movie it's like a two hour and 40 minute movie mm. um i watched it during the pandemic with it was great um i didn't know that jake gyllenhaal played the author <laughs> that's how fucking dumb i was or at least i just trusted david fincher so much with this that Jake Gyllenhaal plays the author of the book Zodiac. Hmm. Uh, that he's he has a writing credit, but mostly just as the the author of this book. Um, and then James Vanderbilt, who this is a really good movie, but this guy would go on to write 
Independence Day resurgence. So, you know, it's like, Ooh. you know, so, sometimes, you, you know, you really start to sell out after. I almost uh, want to buzz you, you just for paychecks. mentioning that piece of shit in the show. Oh, I mean, if he, if, he, if he created the Hive Theory, um, not great for Zodiac's legacy. College football playoffs are wrapping up this year, and it's sometimes you want the teams that you've beat to do really well after you've beat them. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> the cast is... <laughs> I don't know what you just said, but fuck it. <laughs> our sports fans know because right now Alabama, Texas, Florida State, all these teams are like, well, what the fuck? What do we do while they're waiting to see who's going to be in the college football playoffs? Anyway, listen to this fucking cast. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. the year before Iron Man. This is back when Robert Downey Jr. No, granted, he was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and he was in he like Charlie Bartlett was like a nice little sleeper movie. But the guy was also in his Good Night, Good Luck with Clooney, but he's also in the Shaggy Dog. So he's not exactly like A plus list Robert Downey Jr. here. He's coming I feel like, back. I feel like this, was a re- back. Yeah. this was a rehearsal for Tony Stark in my book. I mean, he, he's how you watch this and you're like, if you don't know, you probably think this is after Tony Stark because it's like yeah. he's, he's so obviously a fucking movie star, you know? Mm. It's, anyway, he's so great. Jake Gyllenhaal. Brilliant. Mark Ruffalo yeah. is incredible in this movie. Anthony Edwards, Top Gun, let's go. And then a lot of that guy actors, you got Jan, John Carroll Lynch, who you might know from Fargo. You've got, of course, Brian Cox being an egotistical person, which is, you know, on brand. You've got a lot of that guy actors like John Lacey and Bob Stevenson, if you know you're that guy actors. You've got fucking Chloe Savini in this. You've got Dermot Mulroney. You've got um, just, again, a million people that you just are like, holy shit, I totally recognize that person. And of course, directed by David Fincher. They filmed it mostly in 2005, came out at the early March, which is a very strange time to come out to. Probably wow. didn't help this movie. March of 2007. Wow. That probably didn't help it. That probably didn't help it. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of walk and talks. It's a period piece. It's fucking great. And I'm going to read the IMDb description. I'm going to kick it off to you guys to tell me what you think, what you feel, having Ooh. seen your rewatch of Zodiac this week. Between 1968, fuck, I was off a year. Between 1968 and 1983, a San Francisco cartoonist becomes an amateur detective obsessed with tracking down the Zodiac killer, an unidentified individual who terrorizes Northern California with a killing spree. What do you guys think? What do you guys feel? Who wants to go first? Dave, what'd you think, man? Did you see this in the theaters? I'm just curious. I'm sure I remember. Not. I saw uh, the, it in the, the theaters. The first yeah. time I saw this was on the back of an airline seat traveling across the Pacific, uh, just as the David filmmaker Fincher, intended. David Fincher, you're welcome. Yeah. You heard yeah. that. Right? <laughs> just as you intended it to be watched. That was, and it, <laughs> Sorry, I buzzed Dave. It was, buzzed it was like... Did you fall asleep during it? No offense to the movie, but you know, it's no, just it was, a long it was three o'clock in the morning, technically, because I, I just put Filmed the movies in, on uh, and watched them, and I was like, I always wanted to give it a look and I put it on filmed course, in uh, 239 nice and wide <laughs> yeah nice and wide <laughs> in that airport airplane seat, seat. <laughs> and yeah. uh and um yeah I fell asleep a couple of times and you know I just wrote it off I'm like whatever I watched that movie okay didn't really give it much attention what a fucking crime that was <laughs> I having watched oh, yeah. it I rewatched it today and it is one of the best edited best shot things i've seen in a long time like it even yes. and the, the yes. story is compelling everything is fucking amazing in this movie like i i did it an absolute disservice so yeah everyone just stop watching shit on airplanes talk to your neighbors or something you know <laughs> yeah this is for uh you back then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. back me then deserved it i guess we should mention that fincher just had another killer movie come out recently that i yeah. believe you saw john i don't know if you saw this yet dave which is of course the killer with Michael Fassbender, different format, of course, but from yeah. the killer's point of view. But you know, 
and Mindhunter, of course. This guy spent a lot of time talking to yeah. studying I mean, given, given that he's made one of the best movies that's also a cautionary tale about obsession, he should maybe settle down and check himself. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Have your therapy on screen. Please, David Fincher. Um, dude, I could not agree more. I, I'm sure I saw this in the theater. I just can't imagine I missed one of these kinds of movies back then i, I saw fucking everything I mean, from but the numbers like a lot guys, of them did even in college we would have had to drive that's the only thing is we would have had to go yeah. yeah but man i feel like i still saw everything but like you i've definitely like this has been one of my one of my faves to go back to it's a real monster and it's a big one and it's one of those that's so long that i try not to go back to it too often because i like to forget and it's also long and so so many and we'll talk about this, the passage of time is so crazy and the way they deal with that, that I always forget enough. So it really is fun to watch it. It's a very, very rewatchable movie. I think is what I would like, one of the strongest things I would like people to take away from this. Maybe some of the movies you hear us talking about, you don't know if you want to revisit. This one is, it's surprising enough. There's no way you remember the timeline. There's no way. So just go back and enjoy yourself. Um, I just wanted to point out, sometimes we think of David Fincher as, you might forget about, the game, and you might forget about Panic Room. This is his sixth feature film. He made Alien 3 pretty early in 92, and then I think a lot of people think of Seven as his real first feature. And then four more, you know, before we yeah. get to the... So it there's, is kind of and funny. And there's nothing wrong with Alien way. 3 except for the script he was forced to use. I think a lot of people <laughs> feel that way, man. That yeah. one's uh, There's some really memorable stuff in Alien 3. So I just like, just to point out, like, this is his second serial killer film which i think he eventually kind of became really known for and being kind of a real strong voice of bringing that back to mass entertainment in a very refined mm. artistic way like Dude, he's somebody I'm... that i hope people aren't taking for granted because he's just one of the best filmmakers of all time and that just happens to be his favorite subject matter i'm i am so pissed that he drifted away from mindhunters just to the point where they introduced manson yeah, I can't because believe he didn't get not only was season. that filmed fantastically, the guy playing Manson was spectacular. He was awesome. He was great. Yeah. It wasn't his fault. He wanted. He just wanted the amount of money yeah. he thought it would take to actually do it well, and they said no. Yeah. Um, so this is his third movie. I would feel comfortable saying so. Alien Seven, The Game, Fight Club, Panic Room, Zodiac. I would feel comfortable saying this is definitely the second serial killer movie. But, but does the, the social does the social network count because they did ignore all the Myanmar stuff? What are you talking about? The uh, well, come on! Afterwards. How did how did that oh, how did that not land? Come on! I'm not, no, I'm saying leading up to this, not after that. Come on! Come on! Come okay, on. right. Sorry. In in sequential order, I would say this is his third movie, really dealing with mental illness, and not just from Zodiac. No, like not even because of Zodiac. It's a lot of other. It's all the other people who yeah. get so wrapped up and obsessed dealing with him, and we see it expressed in Robert Downey's alcoholism and drug abuse. We see it the straight laced uh, red uh, red whatever Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, author's name is, um, in his obsession that leads him down a rabbit hole. No drugs or alcohol involved in there. So we just get to see all these different expressions of how Grace, this person. Robert Gray Smith. Gray Smith, thank you. How, how somebody's like obsession with any kind of subject matter can actually lead to the deconstruction of their psyche, which for me, that's what this movie is. It is, yeah. a, it is two things. It is an absolute masterpiece of character study of that, getting, which is hard to do because it happens across a bunch of different characters. And the other thing that it is like, what I was most impressed rewatching last night was the timeline. The storytelling, the literally a director's job, I, I, I know I say these things all the time, there are a few things that only directors are really in charge of. And one thing that they and their editor are almost solely in charge of is making sure the story makes sense. 
And when you're telling a story over this amount of time, where like every other scene, you have to tell people what time and date it is. That's fucking hard to make people stay emotionally engaged to what is happening so that it's not hmm. just intellectual and you're just thinking. And I think See, this movie still has a lot of tension and emotional funny. depth. Like you you said at the beginning that it's um it's one of, it's a slower film and I I disagree. This actually moves at a fantastic pace and it changes time so many times but you never once yeah. don't know where you are because they do it in such a controlled way that like you instantly know what yeah. time period you're in. And they do the paranormal activity like uh, speed up really well. <laughs> Dude, that, also, uh, uh, that, that fast transition of the, the building being built, the show... That's, that's time, unbelievable time-lapse. Oh, my I God. I am stealing that at some point in my career, I'm sure. <laughs> and also, how did San Francisco build that in a year? Good for you, San Francisco. That yeah. was really imp- It just said one year later. I was like, what? Yeah. How did they build that building in a year? Somebody bribed someone for permits. <laughs> the last thing... And I'll shut up after this, because I want to hear what you say, Jeff. But I think the last thing that I was very, very aware of, I have... I'm like obsessed with Fincher. I've brought in multiple of his scenes in different movies to like analyze them in different classes over the years. Like I think about him all the time. Um, Maybe I'm going out on a limb here and maybe you guys would disagree, but I was very aware this time that because he's doing those other things and there's so much that goes into that, I almost felt a, a, a very successful restraint in his filmmaking. Like when we were in a certain scene and sequence, it almost like he... He really tried to minimize some of his like filmmaking, like the David Finchery kind of moves and transitions and lots and lots of coverage shots that lead into each other. It, it almost felt restrained in a, in a fucking beautiful way. I, I, and I feel like that was just like, yeah, it was so I know, noticeable. It was I know what you're talking about David there. Fincher and tasteful, mm. but yeah. No, yeah, I know, so I know I what know. you're talking about. I feel like a lot of this was definitely made in the edit. Um, but also like the cinematography is so good. It looks like fucking math was involved. Like if every yeah. single shot is symmetrically placed and it's, it's almost like yeah. he went away from the, like the frantic and just went totally calm and collected. It's almost like you're the eye of the killer watching them progress through this investigation. I feel like this the, comes uh, the up. Filmmaker still, sorry, Jeff, I was saying no, okay, yeah. the filmmaker, not the characters. This is not a subjective character study, but the filmmaking for David Fincher for me always feels subjective. He never mm-hmm. feels like he's observational. I always feel like, he never covers a scene in these six wide shots and then we just edit it together. No, no, mm. no. This section is covered with these two shots. And this section of the scene is covered with these three shots. And I don't know. You know so he, he still nailed it, but I felt, a, anyway, what do you think, think Jeff? What I you think, think this this comes up a lot in those, you know, they're on Instagram and stuff, but like where people do like color, like the importance of color in a movie and then just like composites and symmetry that you'll see like people like use like frames from different movies about certain symmetry and stuff. I feel like this movie comes up a lot. I think I think it's great we chose this in this specific format, which is the random year generator, because this is one of those movies that is to is basically on all the things we talked about with 2007. It is so distinctly 2007, even though nothing about this movie seems 2007. Nothing about this movie needs <laughs> to be seen in 2007. So like if I even if I were to say something like um um, everything everywhere all at once is such a 2022 film it's such a 2022 film you needed to see it that year you needed to be a part of it that year and of course it's going to rewatch well but that is the year for that movie yeah this this movie didn't need so like i can see it getting swallowed alive by these other movies but at the same time i think this is the most rewatchable movie out of that whole year with the exception of like maybe ratatouille which for obvious reasons right enchanted if that's something that you're into but like I, I as mean, far I've as seen, like i've seen zodiac more than i've seen both those movies Fair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, which again, it's not short. 
not to say it's slow or fast or anything, but it's not a short movie. And we know the outcome. We know ahead of time that this is an open case, right? So it's, there's, what, what about this makes it so rewatchable? Because I love Mindhunter, but mm. I don't want to rewatch it. You know, it's a little bit longer, I suppose. But there's just something about this movie that we're, we're looking for more. We're looking for more things in there. And it's, well, also, it's, it's such a period you, piece too. It, so it's, it it's just fucking on. fascinating. It passes on a little bit of the compulsion on the watch because by the time... Yeah we were three quarters of the way through. I was researching this stuff and I don't yeah. do research. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking these things up and like, and then I'm like well, Dave, looking for more because I had the bug and like, that's, that's the thing. And it's, it kind of passes on his obsession. You said it at the very top of the show and your, your little joke that you, you always say something that kind of alludes to the movie when we take uh-huh. our shot. Is this the first movie that actually made a point of acknowledging the true crime approach to crime solving and not the detective story. Um, I think there was some Capote stuff earlier. There are like Capote movies in like it, yeah. in true blood was made earlier. The movie Capote was not made earlier, but this is no, the first like, time no, that like yeah. Capote came you know up for I mean? this. Like, Capote came up for this. But even then it's still like Capote was like writing a, I don't think Capote was trying to solve that murder. That was, that was not the intent mm. of him writing. Oh, that no, book. no, no. True. True. You know true. what I mean? True. Whereas like, so that's why I think what you're saying, Dave, yeah. like it does feel like it, it's I passed mean, it, on. It this may well be a fucking gate to yeah. people feeling like, well, and, and funny because oh, I can be a part of this. Oliver Stone wasn't trying to solve murders per se, but you could tell no. by the end of JFK, by the end of born on the 4th of July, by the end of platoon, that director knew exactly what the fuck he wanted you to think and feel by the end of it. To the point where like after JFK, you just assumed that that was the truth. Whereas this, it's like, yeah, they want you to leave thinking that that killer was the killer, but, but at the same time, it acknowledges it might not be. And he does it in a way that's also like not, I didn't think David Fincher was telling me that is who he thinks the killer is. Yeah, because he totally discredited the protagonist in the last 20 minutes of the movie. It's true. But I'm, but I'm saying literally because he's our protagonist and they did an hour and 15 minutes goes by before he starts actually getting obsessed. True. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? Like it's, true. it's it does feel like it's a I didn't realize he was the protagonist story. until an hour and 15 exactly. minutes. Exactly, exactly. I don't think he um, was. Yeah, so I feel like that's something. And Fincher does this a lot. Say, and, and you guys are the filmmakers here, but I know Phil, he does this a lot with changing the way he shapes and frames scenes where he will he'll put a cross line, he'll do whatever it takes so that all of a sudden he'll have a new lead in the same scene. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he he won't tip his hat, and then he'll like choose beats, and then literally re- restructure the entire way he'll stage a scene and stage the camera to to make new people have different power and motives and stuff that other filmmakers might not do. I don't know. But well, it's, I mean, it's funny. No, like totally right. there is, it's an ensemble cast until that point, about halfway through, where the rest of the cast drops off, and Gyllenhaal becomes the main protagonist. Yeah, it was, his it was almost a, and you'll notice three at that, even, right at that point he has a wardrobe change. Up until that point, Ooh. he's wearing the shirt, like the good shirts and the like the business ups, attire yeah. and stuff. And then the second he goes to see Robert Downey Jr. in his in his house, he's got the the puffy Parker on. And from that point on, he's wearing like shoddier clothes, and he starts to disintegrate a little bit in his appearance. The true crime costume, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as opposed to the cartoonist. Yeah, yeah. Costume. everybody on Only Murders is welcome wearing it now. It's a long movie. It's two thirty-seven. I don't. I agree with you, Dave. Like. I think this is super easy watch. I think it's edited really well, but yeah. um, I think in most versions of this movie, most studios would have greenlit. Most writers would have said, let's cut. Most people would have yada, yada, yada that first hour and 15. And they just would have used as exposition that these detectives, these cops 
and the d- reporters who were assigned to the case had lost interest by then. But he, yeah. he chose to tell their story so that you would hmm. feel like Jake Gyllenhaal by your half by your midpoint. But also, I think that literally the midpoint of this movie is the first time that they uh, that they visit Arthur Lee Miller. Oh yeah, is that, that is Arthur Lee Ramsey. What's his last name? Arthur Lee. Not not Arthur Miller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not Arthur Miller. Arthur Lee. God damn it, whatever his name is. And you, yeah. th- I literally checked. Arthur I paused. Lee. I was like that. Allen. Okay, yeah, I paused and I was like. That felt like a midpoint. Like this feels like the turn. Like they're about to find something. And we're, it was about an hour and fifteen in. Yeah. And I was like, oh my yeah. god, god damn. We still we're not even in Jake's story yet. But it delivered so much because of that. I feel like by the so time you start making good. that turn, you can you actually get to choose a little bit too. I think part of me felt like Robert Downey in that speech about just give it up. It was four years ago. This many people have died since then. Like you have to stop. There's no real reason for us to care anymore. Yeah. And you get this almost empty. And I, I mean that with respect because they pull it off and they use it, but this almost empty thesis statement for the rest of the movie, when Jake Gyllenhaal literally just responds and says, you're wrong, it does matter. And we, we're just going off of that. The entire movie is based off of him just believing, and it leads into a, this whole sequence where at the end of it, he just gets to look his wife in the eye and say, I have to look in his eye and I have to know it's him. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Which makes that scene later such a great payoff. It's such a great payoff. Oh my God almighty. That is like, that is when I think of this movie, that's the snapshot that I think of. Mm. Can I help you? No, just the look. It, again, yeah. that's a perfect example of restrained filmmaking. Yeah. There's two shots in that, in that store. We track in with Jake and we have his point of view track that eventually reveals Arthur Lee and it just goes back and forth and then he's out of there. Hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Two shots. We don't punch in for close ups. Nope. We don't move around the head. We don't get any OTSs or anything. It's not necessary. We, like, there's one point of that scene. Also, and it's just so they can look at, like, look at each other. Little, little things like the first, first fucking line in the movie with Gyllenhaal, like the, his first interaction is with the little kid. And it's such a perfectly natural, it's, it's almost like you, you know, you get that cat in the window moment or the save the cat moment, sorry, um, right. where yeah. it's like you have to do something nice. The interaction with the kids sets it up perfectly without being obvious at all. It's like, don't don't forget to rinse. And the kid's like, I swallowed it. And he's like, why? And the kid's like, it was minty. <laughs> do that, buddy. Yeah, it was minty. <laughs> so it was such a natural reaction yeah. between like father son. It was it was just sold the character I, completely for, for me. Because and I, so again, as I was kind of mentioning before, I don't know what it is when I rewatch this movie. And it's not just like, well, what is David Fincher going to show me? But I just assume that I'm going to see more. I'm, ass- I'm assuming there's going to be things. I-, I-, I just, in a way that even other movies that I rewatch. Something someone missed. I, I don't know what I'm looking. I- I- it's-, it's a fascination <laughs> where like, I need to go. I need to go back. We need yeah. to go back. Um, you know, and it could be something like, not dumb, but trivial, like the-, the Dirty Harry poster, which of course I see every time, but now I'm like, it matters more this time when I see it behind Mark Ruffalo with Jake where the two of them are there. And then they mention that line later, which is not, that's not brilliant. That doesn't make David Fincher a brilliant filmmaker or anything like that. But this is my favorite Mark Ruffalo performance. This is my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performance. And it's, I, I the, and we talked about Downey. It's like the explosion of Downey. It's like, we didn't need, he didn't need this role to explode, but it's like, Everything about, they're underplaying everything and they're exploding. Just watching Mark Ruffalo lean back in his chair with those old phone sliding off his ear and into like the crook of his neck while he has the holster that looks like overalls. He's got the mutton chop kind of thing going on with the hair. And I'm like, this is such a fucking period piece, but it doesn't even look like anybody's trying to make it a period. Every single thing Mm. about this movie feels 
compelling. And I actually love there's some some critic wrote something like it's he they focused Fincher focused on the in, anxiety inducing drama of finding a serial killer. Yeah, there's only one time I noticed the and period, I'm and anxious. That was, that was when they had an interior it. shot in the car. And I'm like, oh man, nobody does car interiors like the '60s. That was awesome. Yeah. Also, and Angela, this is like, also the, like just the color bounce off that car got me. Angela, Angela popped in like a half an hour yet, and I, I caught her up as quickly as I could. Um, the first thing she said is, "Oh my God, those phones, the phones, are ringing, mm, yeah, constantly." Yeah. And she's like, "I, I miss she, it so much." And she's like, I "She's like, so well, she's like, I, she's like, I know it's a busy office, but that is, they're doing something." And I was like, "Holy shit, you're right." It's like one of the first things. It's just these phones are ringing nonstop, and it, yeah. it, it just drives you nuts. It, it makes he, you want to fucking figure this out so much to make he it pays all a stop. ridiculous amount of te- attention to sound design. It's the all, phones all, are all of it. Perfect. I, mean, I think he's he's an obsessive technical director. Let's just point out since you, I, w- I wanted to talk about the production design, the setting, all that. This is the first time that he, I didn't know this, so I just looked it up. First time he collaborated with his production designer, Donald Graham Burt, who has gone on to do pretty much every movie that he's made since then. But this is the first time they've worked together. Yeah, why wouldn't you? (laughs) Why wouldn't you? This was awesome. I think this might be, let's list off some others if I can't think of any others, but we have Vertigo, we have Bullet, we have Dirty Harry, we have Last Man in San Francisco. We have Ugh. this. I mean, this is absolutely like nobody seems to have ever missed with San Francisco. Those are all pretty oh, yeah. awesome, like uh, well-made movies. <laughs> Inside like Out, friend, like we talked about before. Inside. <laughs> oh yeah, Inside Out. This is. I just. I completely agree. There was almost an, an ease to the way that they showed the period. It didn't feel like it was being shoved down your throat. And I'll even say that with. A full very, house. Very Sorry, A very intentional, immersive, nostalgic cold open of like we're in the '60s in San, around the Northern California era, like above San Fran. Like everything about that way that first sequence is shot with the music on the radio, the kind of car they're in, going past that restaurant, being like, "Let's go somewhere private." Like it almost uh, feels like cheesy oh in a God. sense that he's like showing it that way, but yeah. it still had. A believability to it it didn't feel like it was like we're making a period movie you know what i mean that fucking kid in that car as well gave me ptsd from my teen years because i was as clueless as he was the kid is in jake's kid that about the killing yeah when they the yeah kid. when they pulled up at lover's lane he's like what are we here for i'm like oh you All these fucking things. idiot well then the lady later i mean it's like you know these things are happening and i think this is i think another thing that fincher and maybe because he had done not just fight club but seven and other you know how little time of this movie now that we've rewatched it it's two hours and 40 minutes is the crimes actually witnessing mm. the crimes as an audience member how oh, what is it five six minutes well, total that's, that's actually and, and uh, they're they only, haunting they only did the crime they only showed the crimes they were survivors for so that they could have the story right. 100% accurate of what happened that's, that, was the, that's, that was the only crimes they showed were those great. two that they were survivors except for the taxi driver they showed that yeah, other than that because they were right. witnesses yeah yeah, yeah. because they were witnesses for that um, how how scary is the lake scene? Uh, yeah, that murder I mean, is so disturbing. Yeah, dude, I, I I never really thought about what multiple stab wounds means until this movie showed me in a pristine lake setting exactly what fucking multiple stab I, wounds means. Is that the most like, realistic stabbing scene you've ever seen? Like the build up close, to this yeah. is terrifying. There's a man coming over here. He's coming our way. Like that's so scary that you don't really see him very well. Like that's terrifying. But the actual yeah. look, like the actual stabs. How do they do that? That looks so fucking real. Yeah, like, yeah. that was a real movie magic and of course, moment and, where I was like, "Whoa!" And the doomed, doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. It's like 
our generation probably not our generation the people younger than us probably sit there and be like why would you let, let him tie you up, up. Yeah. yeah and it's like of course you do you just i don't you know what, what else the fuck it's doing damned if you do damned if you don't you know it's horrible the woman with the baby you can't believe she survived i mean it's like but but again the time how many how many seconds was that set we're talking about that it was what five seconds total of those stabbings the shooting mm -hmm. of um i forget his name that kid that's in um one tree hill it was like um <laughs> I mean, there was, it was a good five-minute scene in total, but yeah. Oh, he, he really gave us a scare. And then the, the music, of course, he, he's he's better at needle drops than it. You don't even notice the needle drops, Fincher. Like, God, he's so good at incorporating the music. But, Jeff, you said... Oh, sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, that's it. I just I can't believe how little we ask, talk about the crime. But, but we, of course we remember them. We don't need to see 37 murders. It's like we... we those three are enough. It's like, I get it. This guy's fucked up in the head and he's brilliant. He's a brilliant killer. This guy's great. Oh my God, I can't believe the hearts just came out oh, when I said that. Oh, did. You, you just, guys you hear just YouTube, people. Visually. Shit. You're really um, going to turn that off. <laughs> and I know this sounds like, this seems obvious, but like you're talking about how this is the point of the movie, isn't it? That like the murders matter. Of course they matter. But the the ripple effect, the echo, the whatever metaphor you want to use of the what this man did to that area of California is what is the movie hmm. and how the different interpretations of that and the pursuit of trying to catch yeah. him. Um, but I just do want to back up. You said this is, and I agree, they're, they're unbelievable. Like it's easy to take them for granted because it feels like an ensemble piece. The performances coming out of Downey and Ruffalo. Yeah, um, but even Anthony Edwards, just, who knows his role so fucking well. Anthony Edwards, way to show up. Anthony, I mean, he's, he's, always, he's always so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, love, I love ER. He was so good on yeah. ER. So whenever he would pop up in movies, I always would get excited. Um, that scene in the diner, when Ruffalo comes in, he's like, what is that, a BLT? You know, he's like, you yeah. can have my fries, and he walks out. They just knew each other so well. Um, just, but I did, I did want to ask you, like, specifically, why Ruffalo is is perfect in this, but this is is this really your favorite Ruffalo? 100%. I mean, he's, he's so More good than Spotlight. in all the yeah. supporting yeah. roles. Of course. Yeah. Because... He's just he's just not acting in this movie. And I'm not saying he is mm -hmm. in the other movies, but he's so obviously not acting that when you see even the small things, usually it's the small things, not that I try to, you know, target things, but the look on his fucking face when the woman asks, "Do you ever suspect that um Peter Avery, Robert <laughs> Downey Jr.'s character is the Zodiac killer?" And you look at his face and he goes all the time. Like yeah. that look on his face is brilliant. His first interaction with the lamp, it's honestly, the lamp thing's cheesy. It's fucking cheesy, especially if you've seen it multiple times. I need to take, show you the lamp, but he just, he does it so perfectly and simply. The way he looks at Anthony Edwards, he goes, it's your birthday. All right, hey, it's your birthday. And then he's like, so what do you want? The car or the body? And he goes, well, it's your birthday. I'll take the body. Take All right. Body. It's like yeah. everything about it is so straight. And then of course, when he sees Jake Gyllenhaal later and you can see he's mad and he, it's like the texture. It's so clear. It's so perfect and so specific. And he doesn't seem like he's doing anything. It's 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 hard to do. And again, back to literally just the phone on his chin. It's like he's a fucking model. Like it, it's like he's right out of the time period. I can't believe it's a period piece because he doesn't it make it seem. It's unbelievable how simple it seems. He makes it look too easy. And, and even Downey, even Jake always looks like he's playing at it a little bit. But like Mark, it's it's this is I think just the most naturalistic. And I can't believe it's a period piece. I can't believe how natural it is while being a period piece. They made this movie for 65, yeah. apparently, you know, IMDb. I'm just looking at that number, 65 mil. So for that period of time, we hadn't really gotten into crazy movies between 100 and 200 as casually. But I would still call this like a mid-budget movie, the higher end mm -hmm. of a mid-budget mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that money probably went 
to that that cast. You know, there there were some pretty but big names. But they there. also probably didn't need to get huge numbers. Downey I probably didn't. I would imagine a fair portion of it went to like movie. invisible effects too. I think so too. I, I actually think it went course, to background. Yeah. I think it, I, I don't know if it all went to the cast. I mean, I'm sure a lot because it's a huge cast, but probably not. No, I'm, maybe without that cast, it probably would have been a true mid-budget yeah. movie. I bet you a bunch of people made like a million or a couple million, and it added up. But like, I don't think it would. But made just, it's just a, it's a celebration though of like this is what a we're again we've had this conversation a gazillion times. There's still amazing adult drama work on on stream. I'm not saying there's not, but this is the kind of movie that I'm concerned is being totally lost where you get a group of people like that who are well-known, like they are movie stars to, you know, to a certain degree. Um, we haven't had, it's pre Iron Man, but like everybody who had been old enough to know who Robert Downey Jr. was at that point knew where he came from. He was a movie star before he yeah. got in, you know, into rehab and everything. So I feel like this is still a movie with, with three movie stars in it. Hmm. And they were, none of them were really the lead. In, in a sense, you know, I, I, Jake eventually takes it to the finish line, but I don't even know if I feel comfortable saying he is the lead in this movie. Right. There's a lot of this. It's really an ensemble effort. And then he has the bulk of the last third. Um, I just feel like that kind of movie is uh, it's getting harder and harder to to see. And it feels like it's getting harder and harder to, to produce. You know, I, have feel, to, I feel like we've spoken know. about a few of them um, over the last couple of years. So I don't know if they're disappearing, but yeah, you're right. They're probably getting harder to sell. Well, I mean, yeah. everybody just wants profit. Everyone, it's, I, I just want, hope, you know, I mean, Dave used to work guarantee. in the corporate world. Dave used to work in the corporate world more, but like, I just think being able to get a return on your investment that's not just based on a stock price, you know, it's like, I just, you know, the fact that Netflix is like, we don't want it to come out in theaters. And it's like, okay, but I could get, I don't know, it's just harder to justify a $100 million budget for like The King with Timothy Chalamet. Whereas it's like, for this movie, it's like, well, you're going to make your money back. You know, like, even if you're, mm. you're going to get it back, you'll get it back. You're gonna get that sixty-five. You know what makes me sad. Well, you're gonna make, gonna, you're gonna make double your gonna... budget now because marketing's out of control. Yeah, but that's not. The, not that's gonna... not. Yeah, but that's not their fault. The marketing. You know. I'm not gonna kiss and tell, but I've heard multiple like horses mouth people talk to us. They made that. They made that with now. Sure. <laughs> that, that have <laughs> Sorry. said Sorry. that have literally referenced a movie. Um, that did not do super well at the box office. So that could be a range of didn't make tons of money, but still made his budget back or just, you know, about made his budget or a little bit less. That is objectively a, like a cult classic and a wonderful movie. Everybody loves it. Maybe it won some awards and just the culture here. They talk about it as though it was a failure. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll acknowledge like, yeah, I'm glad people liked it, but you know, that wasn't one of my successes. And it's just a shame because I, I think there is still a bottom line that people think about. Whereas movie fans, most movie fans have no idea and don't care about how much right. money it made. They just love watching that movie. Well, hopefully, because I don't know. I, I don't just, think people back in the day would be like, well, at least it makes TriStar look good that they make good movies. Like, I don't think people really cared about that as much. But nowadays, I do think that Netflix would care that it's like, well, they want to be the like like what we thought HBO and Max was before this whole fucking debacle with the corporate takeover and then the slashing of, of brands and shit. But like, I even, and now Succession's gonna get all these Emmys. I still think that comp these, these streaming platforms, they do wanna be the platform that has the good shit. Not just the stuff that everybody watches, but HBO wants to be the good network. They wanna be the one that wins. And so it's like, if this movie is on HBO, 
as a package deal with a company that's going to release it in theaters for two weeks because people just need shit to do in the theaters. They, they, they want to go and it's a good way of making your money back. And Netflix has it ready to go. And they are essentially, in this case, Dave, the distributor, so that they don't have to, so that like if TriStar, I know they don't exist anymore, if TriStar only makes its money back, which is technically a failure because nobody gives a fuck about TriStar, Netflix is there as the distributor to sit there and be like, well, I, we're going to make, we want good shit because that's worth it for something for us. So I do think there is a way of bringing yeah. these two worlds together. I, I think so, mm. for sure, absolutely. There's, there was at one point, they could do it again. It's really just, yeah, anyway. Um, any, uh, I, I mentioned a couple of my absolute favorite scenes, the lakeside and Jake's final seeing him in the hardware store. Were there any other, the basement scene? Holy shit. Uh, why, don't, visit that. why don't places in San Francisco, because San Francisco's elevated. Why don't they have fucking basements in San Francisco? LA, I get. What'd you say, Dave? Earthquakes. But, but, well, yeah, earthquakes. That's why they're not in California. <laughs> why? Does it, does it, it compress? goes against code. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pancaking. Um, uh, the, um, the, the whole the, aqua the velva scene. The interrogation scene for me. The interrogation by far. You're right. And that is the midway point. So that is like an early climax. Ooh. That is straight out of, you see where the Manhunter scene came from. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like well, it's like, the, it feels the exactly three, like those. Those three pairs yeah. of eyeballs on him when he's walking as the audience, because he's kind of, they're kind of looking at you. But it's yeah, like also it. like every shot, every edit, every performance, yeah. he shows you exactly what you need to see to draw the assumptions yeah. they want you to make, which the is basically watch, yeah. the mindset that the writer of the book was in at that point. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 Dude, so that and, when, uh, and when Brian Cox delivers that Brian focused Cox. performance straight down the barrel of the camera when he's talking directly to Zodiac. Yeah. Like that was a really show, powerful... Yeah performance you really got an impression of exactly how far this well, guy would go to insert himself into this i also love when brian cox says wow you really know how to throw a secret meeting <laughs> and there's yeah. just helicopters fucking flying. Right. yeah helicopters yeah. um <laughs> those scenes are great yeah you, hold on, real fast hold on, wait. i just the interrogation scene i totally agree like the looks yeah. on their faces i think my favorite moment in that is uh how do you say his name uh elias cotias elias, or cotias. elias. i just know him as um casey jones um, um Casey Jones yeah. and Ninja Turtles, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he will forever be <laughs> Casey Jones to me. But in the interrogation scene, when I can't remember what Lee says, but when he's like, oh, and you, you're probably thinking about the, the bloody knives that oh, I yeah, killed yeah, some chickens yeah. that day. And he just leans forward and he goes, what? Yeah. <laughs> right? They're already they're already clocking all these things and they think like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then he just starts talking about how he had gone to the lake that day, slaughtered chickens, and that's why he had all these bloody knives in his car. Yeah. He's like, what? Yes. Yeah, just, just a, and a perfect... A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It did, all the looks. He, he literally said exactly what you were thinking at the time. It was great. And, when, and, and just, yeah, the looks when he was like, well, of course I was in that area during the times of the killings. I love the auto races. And it's like... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> but, I, but auto you know what? I never, I never really, I never understood until this rewatch why you ask the these obvious questions early. I always thought you would like coax and wine and dine the whole good cop bad cop thing that gets overplayed in in media. But it's like we're observing the Zodiac killers. Where were you on this date? Did you do you like these things? And it's like you're waiting for them to lose it. You're waiting for them to spike, to, to get nervous, to get caught, et cetera. It could be, and I know that because I was, as the audience member, I'm sitting there spiking. They're like, yeah, do you, you like it? Yeah. Jeff was a Zodiac killer. 
Well, I know. I'm fucking terrified. It's horrifying. A little embryo running around yeah. Northern California. That, that whole entire that whole entire scene was done was done brilliantly. I think I think another important scene, apart from the the early Ruffalo Edward scenes, you know, because that that becomes the cop element as opposed to the newspaper element. But I think one thing that's very important is that first uh, the aqua velva scene where Jake's drinking the, oh the drink God. and yeah. because that's that's the time where Downey Jr. and, and Jake become. It's, Downey is no longer the egotistical, like superior, like the guy who fucks, and then Jake Gyllenhaal is like the Jake one he did. He's yeah. not like the nerd. He's gonna just copy off of his test to use like high school tropes, right? Which is basically what they were at first. And um, he's basically, and of course, <laughs> Angela's like, "What is that drink? It's so dumb and it's so blue." And yeah. this like dark bar, and this drink is is glowing light blue, and. Um, and of course, Downey, the way he asks what that drink was, like in the middle yeah. of it, it's so fucking funny. This can no longer be ignored. What the yeah, fuck this, is yeah, exactly. Yeah, when he, yeah. Just the look, the cut on his look where he takes a sip. Yeah. And then he goes, <laughs> don't knock it. Him. He goes, don't knock it till you try it. And Downey Jr., he takes that second and he, you can see he wants to knock it. And he's like, there's no way that I'm just going to try. It's like, and then he tries it. He says, yeah, what the hell? And he tries it. It's not and just then, that. Of course, it's, the, it's the way he tries it too. Like most people will just take a tentative sip. No, he, he, puts a, he takes a mouthful. He also takes an enormous cigarette rip. Like, I can't believe I'm about to fucking do this. And he takes a mouthful of it. You're right. I, he, I thought he was going to chug it. And then all of a sudden it cuts to four drinks later. And then they're having a real conversation as equals. So they take this, uh, this dumb idea of, I'm not drinking tonight. Oh my God, we've had four drinks, right? Trope. They take this idea of, what are you drinking? This is so stupid. All of a sudden there's drinks like tipped over. They're having so many and they're equals. What is in this for you, Jake Gyllenhaal? This is great business for everyone except for you, which of course is hilarious because he's the author of the book, which again, I wish I didn't know, but oh, well, here I am spoiling it for anybody who's still listening. He doesn't know this movie. And then he says, and then Jake Gyllenhaal goes, what do you mean good business? He doesn't even get it. Yeah. He, doesn't even, he doesn't even get that this case is great for everybody. He just wants to solve it. He just, he just wants to be a part mm. of it. He wants to help. It's wild. It's a great scene. So did you did you guys find the article where they apparently uh, found a DNA match uh, a couple of years ago? And it wasn't it wasn't. And it's, it's Gary, a guy called Gary Francis Post who was in the uh, in the service, and they they connected him through due to a partial DNA on uh, a firearm he gave away just before he died. Wow! And no, no, no one's gone too far down that rabbit hole. But I'm like, if that's true. Then this guy completely was completely off the radar. He didn't even come up in this movie. Like he was never really associated with it. But he turns out he was in the locations, and yeah, it's possible. And they, wow. they, it's, it was partial That's funny DNA. I think but... I saw, I saw like a a blurb on that article, and the only real thing I took away from it was that Lee was like exonerated because of it. And I don't think I even like followed up enough to see who, if they were able to charge someone with it. I thought mm. it was more of just like a, they were able to prove that it wasn't his DNA. Yeah. To be to be honest, wow. I'm. I mean, it does really look like it was, like Lee. Lee. Because Lee. and yeah, I mean, the fact that he like yeah, yeah you know, dies or, 24 hours before they're going to in, like arrest him. That for is. It. Yeah. I mean, that is so the heart attack thing. Could, yeah. yeah. Or it could have been a death, death in the Nile thing where there were. Yeah. Okay. Another one. All right. Another that, one of that, my that, favorite scenes. And it's a really, of course, it's a good scene. You know, you're kind of waiting for them to finally really talk to each other. When um, when Jake goes to Mark's house in the middle of the night, the rain is banging. Yeah. It's a great, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Yeah. But when he gets him out of there, drags him out of bed, and they're going to have a midnight breakfast at the diner, and Jake's walking him through all of his findings. And they, they really have a classic lead up to him explaining 
what he's learned and Mark is comparing what he's learned and Jake finally makes the discovery that that was his birthday. He did make a mistake. He admitted his, that it was his birthday to Bob Cox's, uh, Brian Cox's mm. housekeeper. And yeah. he was like, that's the point. And then blah, blah, blah. So the look on Mark's face is great. But it's the moment after that that is so good where Jake sits down and he's like, so do it. And he's like, I can't prove any of that. It's circumstantial. And Jake's like, then what are we going to do? And Mark says, finish your book. Yeah. Because that is the point that mm. sometimes I, I saw it on television. it's more important yeah. for us to, to well, I saw it on television. And sometimes it's, it's going to be less with cases like this, I guess. I'm not a cop. But it is going to be less about there are things that we can't do. It doesn't mean the truth can't come out. Yeah. It doesn't mean we can't all know I mean, there's there some closure to this. There were several cases of I that, thought that was before so that where he, he was like, I can't tell you that, but this person can. That was good. The first time. And yeah, I mean, like I can't tell you that. A lot of those, yeah. Like, yeah. There were, but I just loved that. I thought that was so interesting that they gave that line to Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Finish your book. Hmm. The, the intention behind that. The police. He had yeah. that you know, wonderful smirk like this. He realized I literally yeah. have no agency left. And it, it's the struggle of my life. I've, I've gone insane over this for years now, and I'm and never going to be able to solve it, yeah. this problem. Oh, God, it was so yeah. beautiful. I'll it was so charming. One, it was, God. One last thing I'll finish up on is there's there's one quick throwaway line that's not even done by a major character. They're on a plane when they're on the plane and they're on the plane together, and they're just the camera's just pulling down the aisle and you're getting the overhead thing, and it's like, everyone please remember smoking in the last six aisles of the plane only. And I'm like, that is a lasting testament to how fundamentally stupid humanity yeah. is. And and to, who like, wants yeah. to be in the row right in front of the smoking yeah, section? Yeah, you can right? you can only smoke in the back six rows, like that, because it's gonna and stay Daddy there. Was yeah. sitting in the back. Yeah, sure yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was walking he to be the there. back. Also, how spacious were those aisles? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, Movie I was talking about the Angela. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I love. And these... you, you called it out at the beginning. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, just a couple other final things is I love. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, obviously wants to get out. These carrots are perfect. And his wife is like, just go. And he just, like, gets up and runs just away. <laughs> um, and then and then when he goes to Mark Ruffalo, and he's like, hey, we met at the movies once. And Mark Ruffalo goes, it must have been magical. <laughs> it must have been magical. magical. God, that's oh, no, no, so really good. good. You and also, oh, you, you fucking... I, also, yeah. I love... So I'm a, I'm an adult Negro man who also happens to be a stocky, stout Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> with Mark Ruffalo because they get the dueling. Just before we change the description. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's your birthday. Just, I'll take the body. I mean, there's just, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. He has a lot of gems. I mean, there is, it's, yeah. it's almost like 40s, 50s style yeah. screenwriting. It's your like, birthday. I'll take the body. It's, it's so, so good. But he made it real. He made it believable. It wasn't just a banter. Um, John Carroll Lynch, he's the last, it's just the last thing I'll mention. I think he's really terrifying in this movie. Harvard. Mm. And yet, and yet just a few years before, he was 1,000% the safest husband in America. He yep. plays the husband in Fargo, yep. right? He's like, trust, he's the opposite. So I just wanted to give it up for him, yeah. give it up for the casting team to put him in this role because I absolutely was terrified of him and yep. and wasn't really anything else. I didn't really have any doubt in my mind that, that, that yep. he was capable of it. But he's also the guy... I love you, Georgie. You know, we're, we're so lucky. You know, sitting yeah. in bed with her. I'm so proud of you. My stamps. You know, yep. you know it's just like yep. unbelievable casting. Yeah. Unbelievable. We're, we're Franny's proud of him. She just solved this murder and he's she's proud of him. <laughs> he's also in Gothica so with Robert Downey Jr. and Halle Berry. So that's pretty fun. Oh, God. I forgot. Oh, you're totally right. And when did that come out? Because that made us think of him as a killer for yeah, sure. 2003. <laughs> wow. All right. This so is this he, year. He, so he bounced. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, no, I'm going to be the scary guy. Hmm. Anyway, 
what a good movie it is on paramount showtime if you, if you have it if not i think it's worth a rent worth a rewatch yeah, yeah. Oh, he also uh, plays John Wayne Gacy in one like, of the seasons like, of American Horror Story. Like, John if, Wayne if you like Gacy, studying slick production, um, if you like studying slick production, oh, this is worth a buy, I would say. Oh, the, oh my God, I think yeah. you're 100 Dave, are you, because we talked about Mank a couple years ago. Are you a huge fan of David Fincher's work? And, and Seven, we've talked about a couple of his movies. So I, I am, a, I'm, I'm, I didn't put two and two together. Like, I don't know it's a David Fincher film until I go, oh, it's a David Fincher film. Like, until I see a credit, but... I am a huge fan of a lot of what he's done. Is where does this rank for you guys in the Fincher filmography? He's made twelve feature films, including The Killer, just recently. Where does the rank for you? I haven't seen Killer yet, um, but this probably sits right under seven. Seven might be your favorite. Yeah, is that what you mean? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's... I I love I love a movie when when great filmmakers are like this but I, I i do really love the social network i think it's just done brilliantly completely different from this yeah. but it's brilliant uh and then of course seven is really high but i love fight club too so i would say this is definitely my top four uh, uh yeah. yeah i mean it could be number one it could be number four it's just like it might depend on the day <laughs> that you ask me i feel you i feel you I, I again that filmmaking thing i think it does like it feels different than his more recent stuff even Fight Club, it feels different than that, but certainly uh, Social Network. I think Gone Girl is a really special, special movie. If you yeah, haven't revisited yeah, that, I, I that think one's so too. disturbing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a real, it really stands out. So it, I think it's a top five. If anyone wants to go down your Fincher hole, I think this is, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Mindhunter's Girl also. <laughs> Fincher rabbit hole. You guys, go watch them, go watch them Paula Abdul uh, music videos too. You want to go in there and watch some. Um, or a zillion commercials. Some of the, yeah, the, out, the outside, the outfield. Um, Steve Winwood, Steve Winfield, what's his name? Rick, Spring, Rick Springfield. Uh, he says Jesus, fucking everybody. It wasn't even close. <laughs> that took a long time. It took a long time, but we got there. Samsonite. <laughs> Man, I was way off. Um, he also All music. Right, he also directed a Patrick Swayze music video. How did he get Aliens Three? <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, guys, what a fucking fun rewatch of this. What a year. So much fun. What an incredible I love that this movie pops. Because we could have easily talked about No Country or There We Blood or fucking Michael Clayton. I'm so glad we talked about this Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We're back on next week. We got to spin the wheel again. Let's Dave, do it. Dave, you ready yeah, for the wheel? Yeah, let's spin it. You want to spin the wheel? I want to spin the wheel, and then we'll, we'll, we'll let you know what we're watching after this. Oh, we got a one. We got a nine. 1950. Wow, we're going back. 54. We've had a few years in the 2000s, haven't we? And now yes. we're back yep. to 1954. Yeah. 1954. All right. We'll tell you what we're watching at the right end back. of this episode, people. At the end of this episode, we hope you watch along with us. But let's do our quick round of what you've been watching. Dave, we'd like to start with you. What you've been watching? Well, just before this show, I got back from taking some friends to see the Marvels for a second time. Um, <laughs> Dave is leading the charge. You want them to get their money back. <laughs> I just think it just I, I, friends don't let friends miss good films, and uh, oh, they had a raucous a great t-shirt. time. fell out of fell out of their uh, their seat laughing at some of the stuff that happens in that movie. Um, my wife wasn't behind one section of it, but she really loved everything else. Um, oh, good. Okay. Yeah, uh, and I watched the Nicolas Cage film uh, Sympathy for the Devil. It's the uh, the one they were advertising for a while, where it's, it's the guy for the going devil. Yeah. It's, it came out a couple of months ago. Wait, but not not the dream. What? Not, not the dream, dream one. Scenario? Yeah. Um, it's basically this guy's taking going to a hospital where his wife's giving birth, and Nicolas Cage gets in the back of his car with a gun and is like, "Just drive." 
Oh man, of and course he did. Yeah. Wow. And it Weird. escalates cool. from there. Um, the the trailer makes it look like it looks like it's something it's not. Don't wait for the what they hint at in the trailer. Um, but it definitely does not. This is a straight to streamer. Yeah, well, it, it, it was on AMC Plus. Okay. Oh. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Niche. Everybody's yeah. favorite streaming platform. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> AMC, we're available for sponsorship if you want to. <laughs> I mean, at least yeah. the rap works now. You John, you go second. This is our order. I'll go second. So I've been just doing like prep, prep stuff for this film we're coming up. So I was just sending some like tonal things to people to watch, and I was watching a couple things. So um, I think it's uh, episode three of season three of Atlanta, Trinity to the Bone. I don't know if you guys are Atlanta watchers. I, I like mm. I go in and out of that show quite a Same. bit. Like there's I didn't watch so many four, standalone though. episodes. I, I watched the first three. I don't know if I watched the fourth season. Okay. So this is the one where uh, this is a standalone. Like there are a lot of them. They're just total yeah. standalones, like short films. They're like half hour long. This is the one about like that white family who's um, like um, their, their l- l- nanny basically passes. And she's this, you learn that she was an older Trinidadian woman and they go to her funeral because their little kid wants to go to the funeral. And it's just about like the chaos that kind of ensues when these cultures clash. And oh, cool. it's, it's just, it was just so fantastic. The tone is great. Everything, all the work is great. Well, just, that's in response to that. Really, that that, has, really, to be, really that has to be a follow-up to the reparations episode of Atlanta, which is fucking wild. It's so... It, I mean, that is a crazy one. There, yeah. There's so many incredible episodes. That yeah, show. Um, and then I also rewatched. Um, and I sent this to the team for everybody to watch the episode of uh, Fishes, the Christmas flashback episode of season two of The Bear. Um, the Christmas flashback, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The re- family reunion. You want, you, want, you, want some, so, you want some family anxiety? You go ahead and watch that episode. Uh, yeah, intensity. <laughs> I actually, yeah, yeah. personally, I love, the, I love the final episode of that season the best. But the, the whole season is fantastic. I love that. I love the the standalone where uh, the older brother goes to the other. That is a really good season of the Bear this year. Oh my god, the Copenhagen, the two standalones in Copenhagen standalones in that season. Copenhagen, Copenhagen and then the other the, one, and then uh, fucking all of a sudden you see Olivia uh, Coleman, and you're like, what? <laughs> And what she's like, fuck? no, I like to, I like to do the prep. And then she has to go to like an investor's talk or something. Um, she's just everywhere now. So Angela's birthday was great. It was amazing, Truly. of course. So uh, that was, I watched that for sure. Um, <laughs> and um, I finished the Beckham documentary, which I, I really, it, it, I think it was great for me to have seen the crown into that because it's about fame. I, and I love the soccer. I love the football. I love that they started and they, they really made sure that you knew that he was actually really good. But like all of a sudden they're like, he was the captain of England for a hundred matches. And you're like, why did we only see two of them? You know, it's like they clearly were more interested in the fame element and it was only four episodes. So they also were like, well, we want to keep this short as opposed to some of these other docuseries that go on for 10 episodes. So four episodes, they, they basically, it's like a greatest hits of what it should have been in a way, but yeah. it was still very entertaining I think so. That's that's what I watched, and um, and I did I did watch the first half of the of, of Slow Horses is back on, and then I kind of oh, rem- yeah. I kind of remembered that Apple TV is is no longer doing I think for everything they're not doing the binge thing right I don't think they did it always anyway but like yeah they're releasing it one per week so I'm like well I have no rush because I still have oh. more weeks so oh I have one more I have one more um Dave. I saw uh, Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters the oh that looks so cool and you watched it, all of it or no it I, I, or it I, I, what, it's a whole series um it but it tags on the end of uh like the the monarch the last Godzilla where they introduced the monarch corporation and all of these monsters just exist oh. in the world now 
and they're like all the cities have shit set up for like you know how you got your like your air raid alert and your tidal wave alert well now you got what a fucking are they called? Godzilla What's the Japanese word for the monsters they have a a word for the what it means to have those gi- those giant monsters that they call them all something what the fuck is mm. the name of that that term anyway sorry I can't I can't remember yeah cool nice all right, dude, so, dude, I, I drove by the DGA the other day I live really close to it and they were having their gigantic premiere for it i don't, I don't know who would have yeah. been there well but the was... first episode is fucking brilliant and i haven't even seen kurt russell turn up yet so right oh yeah. isn't it yeah yeah cool. it's kurt russell and wyatt russell and playing wyatt. the same character in two timelines or like two different time periods oh wow i feel like they filmed this right okay. before they were like maybe we shouldn't spend so much money on tv um because <laughs> this is clearly huge but i'm glad you like it well, it's like the money we save on not having to de-age kurt russell we can spend on godzilla yeah, so, yeah. The DH um, Godzilla. All right. Do you guys want to then? Yeah, let's take a break. We'll take, be right we'll, back. Yeah, very quickly, we'll tell you what we're going to be talking about. And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. Yeah. All right. So the movies that we also we we talked we we considered include on the waterfront. We include them. The movie Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dialem for Murder. A lot of good shit that came out this year. The first Star is Born. You said John the Wild One, the Kane Mutiny. A lot of musicals. The Brigadoon, White Christmas. But what do we decide to do, Dave? Rear window, of course. Of course. Yes. Rear Window. John, I hear, masterpiece. John, I hear this movie sucks. What do you think? Rear Window. I think it's his worst movie. I think everybody would agree it's Hitchcock's fail. Yeah, yeah. He really swung and missed with this one. I saw this in a literary film yeah, adaptation class one time. I can't wait to talk about it again with you guys. This is Elizabeth's favorite Hitchcock, too. Ah, so she never watched it. Oh, right. I was, set down, I was set down and what made to watch this in high school drama. It, I um, didn't suffer nice, for it. Dude. Yeah. And you yeah. didn't suffer for okay. it. All right. Well, on the outro here, I'm going to look up if it's streamable on any platform. Otherwise, I'm going to have to fucking... Oh, yeah. It. We really should start checking that. We should start checking that. <laughs> but thank you so much, film fans. We hope you enjoyed talking about the year 2007, which was so fun. What a good year. Um, and this movie is a... F- yes, it's on Criterion. Yes. Woo! Get your Criterion sub up, people. Support the Criterion channel. Come on. Yeah. Okay. All right. And thanks, John, for your password. Guys, see you next week, (laughs) film fans. We always talk about 1954 (laughs) and Rear Window. Enjoy your cease and desist letters.